Hey, this episode of Tales from a Gemini is with my guest, Amber Balkane. Amber Balkane is a NASCAR race car driver. She's the first female, uh, Canadian female, to win a NASCAR sanctioned race in America. And she was a breath of fresh air. What I loved about her is her positivity and how hard it is just to race in this series. And she's doing it all against the odds and how much she is focused on racing. Don't let the looks fool you. She's great. She's funny. And she's focused. I hope you enjoyed this episode because I sure did. Never gets old. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. Thank you so much, Wyatt. I am so excited. I'm excited for all my guests. I mean, I know you guys hear me say this every week, but I love what I do, and this is not... It's not fake or whatever. I just, I love talking to people. And this is the first guest that I've ever had that I literally was going through Instagram and I go, I want to talk to her because she's a beautiful woman, but she races cars and that's what did it for me. And I was reading through all her Instagram and it's nothing but positivity. And I cannot wait to introduce you to her. This is Amber Balkin and she's the first Canadian female to win a NASCAR sanctioned race. Amber, how are you? Very, thank you so much for being part of Tales from a Gemini. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. I love your energy. I, I could feel some of your energy just through the the relentlessness of the messages and <laughs> to now be here in, in you know, via Zoom person. Um, it, I just, I love people with great energy and you got great energy. No, you're the one with great energy. And this is how, this is how great this woman is. Okay, now I have no, never have met her in my life. I just went through the DMs, but it was professional, by the way. I didn't do any, you know, naughty, naughty stuff. It was professional DMs. And she uh, has a product, it's First Form, it, it, and it was for endurance. And I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wannabe. I tell people right now, I'm a wannabe professional athlete. I always wanted to be a professional motorcycle racer. That's why I do a lot of cycling. And so I said, my endurance is down, and I want to get my endurance better. And she she endorses a product, and I said, I'm going to try it. And I used her link. I had the product, and I love it. So not only am I talking to you, but I use your product. And that's how much you've had an impact on me. And I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You said, did you, you said, did you use my link? I said, yes, I did. And I love your product. I love it. That's awesome. I love it. They have so many great products. We'll have to talk more about some of my other favorite products after because there's a lot of stuff you got to get on there. If, if you're into athleticism and you're training hard and stuff, there's a lot of good stuff there. I can't believe you can't tell I'm not athletic. I mean, that kind of hurts my feelings. <laughs> I thought you looked at me and go, wow, this guy works out. But the fact that you said, if you're into athleticism, which means I don't think you think I work out. You, just, you looked at me and go, maybe you should start working out. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts my feelings, Amber. That hurts. My <laughs> no, so let me introduce you to uh, everybody knows, like, I try to, it's more, I love motorsports. That's the, my, my passion. But also, I love a great story and I love inspiration. That's what you are. And you grew up, and tell me if we didn't grow up the same except for different countries. You grew up Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Okay, I yep. grew up in Muskogee, Oklahoma. But on, on Friday nights, what I would do is I go to the local stock car track, dirt track, watch late model dirt track racing. I missed my freshman prom to go to the, to the stock car races, and I mean it's from the bottom of my heart. And what we would do is I could still smell the burning oil. I could smell the cigarettes people smoked outside back in those days, and they smoke and then and popcorns, corn yeah. dogs, and sometimes if the race didn't go right, there was a fight in the pits. I mean, did you grow up in the same way? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So my dad actually races dirt late models. He still races dirt late models to this day. He's raced three times this year and he's three for three on wins. Oh, look so at daddy. That, that's where I get it from. You, you get um, it from your yeah, daddy. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> oh, actually I get it from both because my mom grew up in a racing family. She never raced cars because at her time and age, that was when people didn't believe women should even be in the pits. Never mind women be in a race car. Wow. So her dad never let her race, but her brothers race. And then all my cousins race. So my parents met at the racetrack. And so I've been going to the track since I've been in my mom's belly. So yes, every weekend was me at a dirt track. Um, yeah, I didn't go to birthdays or I don't even think I went to my graduation. Like I didn't do normal kid stuff. I rather either race, I was racing myself or I was traveling with my dad watching him race. For me, that was more fun to, to be at the races and, you know, hang out with adults and get dirt flying in my face. And, um, I just, for me, that, that was how I grew up. Now, when did you make that transition? Because, I mean, when you're a kid, man, dad's the coolest. You want to be around dad, you, you know, and the family and being around racing and the adults. Maybe you hear a bad word like, oh, my God, this is great. And then <laughs> your dad win, maybe the trophy dash, and you get to ride in the car. But when did you go, I kind of want to do this, dad? Like, ever since I remember, like, even, like, as a little, little kid, like, three, there's videos of me at, like, two, three years old saying, like, I want to race cars, I want to race cars, so I think, like, just being so immersed in it my whole life, it was something I had to try, I had to do, and it was something I asked my dad for over and over, let me race, let me race, let me race, and then finally at 10 years old, my mom's like, she's never going to stop asking, so we might as well let her. So at 10 years old is when I got my first go-kart and um, my dad said though there was some stipulations if I wanted to race I had to pay for everything myself and work on the go-kart myself so at 10 years old I was knocking on doors getting on getting my own sponsorship selling stickers going to swap meets with my dad like everything I could to raise money to to race and that was 19 years ago now so for the last 19 years, I've had to really learn how to be a businesswoman because now I'm not looking for five, six hundred dollars. Now I'm looking for millions of dollars. So um, the game, the game is just a lot bigger in in the NASCAR world. But I'm essentially doing the same thing I was 19 years ago, just finding sponsorship to be able to race. Well, that's incredible. Okay, at 10 years old, is it, and, and and is that the reason why you're number 10? No, um, I'm number 10 because my dad was number 10. Well, oh. so, sorry, still is number 10. But um, yeah, I guess also because I started at 10 years old and just watching my dad be number 10 his whole life, you know, at at 10 years old, I wanted to be like my dad. So that's so I mean, honestly, that's so why y'all take your daddy's girl. Um, so I'm really close with both my parents. Like my mom is like my best friend. Like I love her so much. Me and my dad are a lot alike. Uh -huh. So we butt heads a lot easier, but he's still like the first person I call if I need advice for something. Uh -huh. So, um, I wouldn't say I'm a daddy's girl because I'm really, really close to my mom, but like I'm a daddy's girl and a mommy's girl, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I think that's incredible what, what your mom did because they wouldn't let her race, but her family was in racing. So, so maybe in a way, does your mom kind of live vicariously through you? Oh, my mom is my number one fan. Like she is my biggest supporter. She is like just so excited about everything I do. And um, she just let her, like her coming to my races. That's her favorite thing ever. Okay. So now did you do any other sports or, or did you try to attempt? I know mean, it's Canada. Yeah. So I'm sure you did some ice fishing, maybe some ice skating. <laughs> did, did you try, did you try hockey? Did you try hockey for a little bit? No, I never tried hockey. Um, I did. I did do a lot of sports as a kid, though. I did gymnastics, cheerleading, volleyball, dance, horseback riding, oh um, taekwondo. 
Wow. Piano is not a sport, but yeah, I did a lot when I was young and I was like, I was average at everything. Okay. Like I tried hard. I was average at everything, but with racing, I loved it and I was good at it. So I, it kind of came to the time where I had to say no to the other sports and I just focused solely on racing. That's it. Um, okay. So, okay. Let's just say, let's just say, uh, if it wasn't for racing, what sport do you think you would have tried to go further in? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I just wasn't good enough at any of them. Like I think gymnastics, especially with the Olympics right now, and I feel like gymnastics is unbelievable. It is such an unreal sport. Like I think they're the most insane athletes, but I just, I wasn't good enough to keep going. You know, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. Um, but I just, I didn't have the talent for gymnastics. <laughs> How about Taekwondo? So I guess, I guess if there's a fight in the pits, everybody would come get you <laughs> and you could take care of them. Yeah, um, I think when I was a kid, my parents just heard that Taekwondo is really good for like learning discipline and respect. And um, so they put me in that and um, it was fun. Like it's fun to break boards and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, so when they get to the point where, okay, you're racing it, I assume it's go-karts in the beginning, I'm, I'm assuming. Yep. Okay, yep. it's go-karts in the beginning. You're having fun. Now, when did you realize, though, like, hey, I think I got something here? Or we're like, it's, it's more than just I'm doing this for now, and then it's Canada, so it starts getting cold around, what, August? Yeah. And so, I mean, so yeah. when, when did you realize, I want to do this uh, for, not for a living, but, okay, I'm, I got something here? Yeah, so my very first race in a go-kart, I almost won. I got second, but by, like, this much. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I was like, oh, like, I'm actually pretty good at this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, like was winning basically off the bat and but i my whole family races as a hobby like they do it professionally but they still have a nine to five from monday to friday and so that's a lot of times what you see is kind of what you emulate or what you kind of go go towards right and so um i did that you know i all i knew was to be a weekend racer like a weekend local racer so i um, I knew that after go-karts, I wanted to race something else because I love go-karts so much. So then I raced mini sprints and then I raced 410 sprint cars. Um, and it was when I was racing mini sprints and 410 sprint cars where I'm like, I'm actually good at this and I really, really love it. How could I make a career out of this? But at that time I had just finished um, high school. So I went to Red River College, which is a like business administration college, got my business two-year business administration diploma. And, you know, I find a lot of times when you get older, you, when you're a kid, people are like, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a singer. I want, you know, you have these big dreams of what you could be. And I feel like as you get older, you go through high school and you go through college, you kind of are like, oh, I guess I just have to pick something realistic. And like, you know, and it, it's almost like you forget that big dreamer inside yes. you. Yes, yes. Basically, I was in college and the two years I was in college, I just I could not stop thinking about racing. That's all I could think about. And then so after that, I went back to university to get my four year degree. And I was like maybe three weeks into school and I had my aha moment and because I couldn't stop thinking about racing. And I'm like, like sitting in class at a lecture and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, what the F am I doing here? You can say like, it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be here. I want to be racing. And I'm like, well, then why don't I go do that? And so like, I was a little bit late uh, to the game when it came to let's make this a profession. Mm -hmm. But um, cause I was 21. So I, that day I went home to my parents. I said, I'm dropping out of university. I don't know why I'm here. I don't want to be here. I want to race cars professionally. And I want that to be my job. 
and they're like, do you know how hard that's going to be? And (laughs) like, we don't have the money to support you. So, and I'm like, I I realize it's going to be tough. I had no idea how actually, (laughs) but, um, I'm so happy that I went after it. So that, that same year, the NASCAR diversity combine reached out to me and was like, Hey, have you ever thought of NASCAR? And, um, I went down to the combine and that's kind of what opened my eyes to what was possible. You know, it's not only, stepping away from just a hobby and trying to making it a career, but stepping away from the dirt track world, which that's all I knew. I, I knew NASCAR to watch on Sundays, but I didn't know a ton about the industry or where, what teams to race for, where to move, like what level, how you go up through the ranks. And so that really opened my eyes to what was possible. And from then it was just, okay, how do I get a, a visa to be able to move down there? Cause I'm Canadian. Um, and then, you know, how do I get the sponsorship to race for a team out there and, and try to work my way up? So, um, I don't even remember what you asked. Them, but just going <laughs> off. No, 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 that's fine. I like to give my guests time to talk. Cause I mean, I interject too much because I'm honestly, like I tell people I'm annoying and I know that, but it, it but it's a, it's a genuine annoyance because I, I love my guests and I want so much to find out other things because I, cause I do my homework on you guys and I don't want to ask the same questions that you've always been asked. I want to go someplace different. And so like, what's a NASCAR combine like is like an NFL combine. I mean, do they ch- test your 40 time? I mean, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, it's really similar, but instead of testing our 40, you know, they're testing our lap times. Okay. And, um, and what kind of cars, what kind of cars, what kind of cars? Well, they're like a, a stock car, like a asphalt late model. Okay. Um, and they check our lap times, they check our communication with our crew, and then they do physical tests as well. So how well in shape we are, because a lot of people don't realize this, but NASCAR does require a ton of athleticism. It is we can lose like I, I lose five to six pounds in a, in one race men will lose nine to ten pounds in a race just from sweating um the dehydration like the what I have to do to hydrate before the race is like it's crazy what do, what do okay what do you do because I, I I saw one of your posts you did heat training I mean to get ready for like the, the hot races and I know I think Bobby Allison when he's from Alabama when he, when he had to get ready for Talladega he would ride around in his car with the windows up and the heat on and the summertime so i mean which is which is insane so what do you do for your heat training yeah so it gets to be over 140 150 degrees in these cars and you have to keep in mind we have all our safety equipment on there's no ac or anything it's it's basically like driving in your vehicle with your windows up and the heat on in 105 degree weather so um i do heat training outside so wearing hoodies and stuff and i'm in california right now and it's like over 100 degrees every day it's I'm not used to this heat. I'm from (laughs) Canada. This is too much for me. Um, But, uh, and then just hydration. So like Pedialyte, um, like liquid IVs, tons and tons of water uh, leading up to it. Like I won't drink alcohol a couple days before either, just because I can't have any type of dehydration in my body. Like I need to be super, super hydrated. Um, And then on race day, I have my interformance, which is from first form. Yes. And then yeah, Pedialyte, Gatorades, like anything with electrolytes and hydration is key. All that weight you guys lose makes me wonder how fat was Tony Stewart then? If he <laughs> lost all that weight and he still could win and he was still chubby. I mean, so, and I love Tony Stewart's my favorite, by the way. And you know, if he hears me say it, I'll say it to his face. But I mean, I have no problem saying that, but it's like how big that if that guy ever got in shape, 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 he yeah. could have been astronomical. I mean, honestly, and what yeah. makes me so mad about him was he could have went Formula One. He had that kind of talent. You know what I mean? And yeah. what? Okay, so growing up with you, what was that goal when you decided I wanted to race? 
what was that going? Who did you look up to racing wise growing up in Canada? Because I mean, I don't know how you're Canadian. Were your uh, heroes Canadian, or were they just all? I mean, were they all over the world, or were they American? Did you uh, did you you know like strive to be? I want to be an American race. I mean, what was your goals? Yeah. So even though I grew up in Canada, I mainly just raced in the states. So I'd race in the northern states like North Dakota, Minnesota. Um, so my goal as a kid was always to race a 410 sprint car. I'm like, if I can race a 410 sprint car, I made it. Like that's what I grew up watching. And they're just the most badass race cars. Like they're so fun. They're so cool. And that's what um, my dad raced for a while. And then my cousins and my uncle and my grandfather all raced those as well. So that was something I just really wanted to do. And, um, but like I said before, my dad said, I'm not helping you financially with this. So you have to do it on your own. So um, my cousin, my grandparents paid for his race car. So one of like my biggest memories so far was unloading my sprint car that I had raised all the money for and paid for and like next to my cousins. And I was like, look, I did this on my own. Like, it, like I just like things like that is what keeps me going throughout my career. Like the little achievements that knowing like I did this on my own, like I earned this spot, I earned this place on the track. Like that for me is what like gets me going that, you know, I, knowing that you can earn stuff looking back on it now because you're i mean you're still striving and you're still setbacks and you still i mean it's what's great is from the outside looking in if nobody looks at your website or read your blogs or whatever thinks ah oh, it's easy for you because you said this and i'm not, I'm not i'm not trying to be creepy or nothing but you said this sometimes your looks are helpful but they can also be a hindrance and, and yeah. explain that honestly, because like I said, on the outside looking in, I saw where you were lined up on the grid and kids were coming up and you're signing autographs and it looks like you don't have a care in the world, but they don't realize, man, how much money it costs and you got to get sponsorship. And you talked about getting screwed over one time and I could tell, man, that really hurt. And you almost didn't want to say, I don't want to do this anymore, but you found a way to get back on that positive track. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, my journey in racing has been really difficult to like, you know, try and figure out how to get a visa to move to the States to getting sponsorship, having people say they're going to sponsor me contracts in place, and then the, the payments never come through and like oh. just little situation like that happening over and over and the heartbreak of it year after year after year, it's, it's been a lot to go through and there's been more days where I've wanted to quit than not, but wow. the magic isn't not quitting because when you can kind of, the obstacles are sent there to, to see how bad you want it and see how, how much you're willing to sacrifice and how much you're willing to work to get what you want. And I, embracing has been my number one, my whole priority, my whole life. And I was like, I haven't came this far to fail. Like I, failure is my biggest is my biggest fear. And I'm like, I haven't come this far to fail. Like I need to achieve at least these things that I said I was going to achieve. So I just, it's been the last couple of years have been crap, but this year yeah, I got the big sponsor and now I'm running in a NASCAR developmental series and uh, a team that I've always wanted to race for here on the West coast. So I, the reason I'm here is because I just never gave up. And the thing about not giving up is you still learn those skills throughout the time. Like that time isn't wasted, even though it might seem wasted because you aren't where you are career-wise, financially, relationship-wise, whatever it might be, you're still learning so many things throughout the failures, the setbacks, the obstacles that you're just building up information. You're building skills, you're building wisdom to use in the future. 
So it's, it's not, the time's going to pass anyways, even though you might not get exactly what you want at that moment, you're still building. And I think that that's kind of what it takes. And when you see people that have overnight success, they're not really overnight success. It's just that compound interest of everything they've put in finally coming to fruition. The Rolling Stones said it best. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes if you try sometime, you get what you need. And, yeah. and when you said that, that, I mean, that's beautiful. And how did you avoid, though, getting sucked down that rabbit hole and never coming back? Because, man, you know, it's like in any sport. And uh, I say this because it's around, you know, football season here in America. And my mm -hmm. brother coaches. And we talked about, and he's got a little, he's got a little son. And he, hasn't, he loves football. But he, but he hasn't had that hit yet. That hit that makes yeah. you go, you know what, I'm going to play basketball now. You know, that hit that changes everything. And you've had a lot of setbacks. But what – and I think – and correct me if I'm wrong, please do, is I think it's the, the promise of something and not being delivered and being anticipating, oh, here we go, sign this contract, I'm on my way, and then it gets taken out from under you, and then you go, here we go again. How do you come back mm -hmm. from that? Because it's easy to say what you said, and I, I hear you, and it's beautiful, and I, I try to live by that also, but, man, after a couple of times, you just go, what am I doing I mean, yeah. I honestly, like, what am I doing? Where am I going? And I mean, how did you keep from getting swallowed from that black hole? And be like, all right, I'm going back to Canada. I'm doing what I'm going curling. I don't know, but I'm just yeah. going to do it. What, what, what yeah. kept you from being just, you know, sucked up with negativity? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I was kept from that black hole. I, I entered that black hole a few times, but it's a matter of getting out of that black hole. And I guess your question would be almost like, what, how do you keep out of that black hole or yes. get out of that black hole? And for me, it's a couple of things. The number one thing was the belief in my own potential. Like I really believed that I could be a great race car driver. I really believed that I was, I'm here on this earth to show people that you don't need all the tools in the toolbox to build a life for your dreams. If you're willing to be resourceful and work hard, be dedicated, you know, resilient and persistent that you can achieve what you set out to achieve. And I've been preaching this my whole career. And I'm like, if I don't live this out and I, if I don't live my truth and and really go after my potential, then I've failed everyone who's followed me. I've failed, I failed me. I failed my sponsors. I've failed my fiance. I've failed my parents. I've failed everyone. And so I'm like, I, I, the, I have no other option, but to keep going. And so I think, yeah, to answer the belief in my own potential, and then just feeling like I have a responsibility to be that public figure for people that you know, maybe didn't grow up with money or didn't grow up with the, with everything handed to them or in the right situations or have had to overcome a ton of setbacks or, or trying to build something that might seem out of reach to them or out of reach to others, but just showing them like, look, Hey, if Amber could do this after all of this, and she still is achieving what she set out to, then I can do that too. So yeah, again, a potential and, and responsibility to others. That's beautiful. I mean that because, I mean, you feel the authenticity in your statements. It's not like something you say and go, okay, I mean, I can feel that. And, and speaking of that, you were tested on a physical level because there was a crash that made you question everything. And because, I mean, like I said, you know, this is what you want to do. This is what you want to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream. And then you had one that, that tested you mentally and physically talk about that because i i saw that and i was like oh my god yeah honestly i think the mental setbacks are harder than the physical setbacks but when you get a physical setback it can put you into a mental yeah 
step back. Yeah. So because I had went through so much before that crash last year, I had been down in the dumps and I, I knew how to get out of it. And I kind of knew not how to let myself get back there again. So it, it wasn't as difficult because I had went through so much other stuff that I was like, I'm strong. I got this. Like, but I, I would be lying if I said, I didn't think about quitting racing. And it was the first time ever in my life that I had said, I'm done racing. And I, but I said it the night of that injury where I was in the hospital with a neck brace on hooked up to IVs. And like, I was in the ambulance without being able to feel any of my limbs. I couldn't like feel them. I couldn't move them, nothing. And I thought I was paralyzed. And I had just been gotten engaged the, the fall before the season. And so I, I was like, not only am I going to be able to race again, but I'm not going to be able to walk down the aisle at my wedding. Like that, this was my first thoughts. And I'm like, is this, is this all worth it, Amber? Like for, you know, and this is, I'm not making any money at this point. I'm still just trying to, to be a professional race car driver. And um, that, you know, I, my, I get calls from my parents and my fiance and, and I see how distraught they are and how worried they are because they just see me lying in a hospital bed. And um, that really made me like question things a lot. Um, but then the next day I'm like, nope, this is, this is one of those setbacks. Amber. You just got to push through it. Just so, hard-headed, um, just hard-headed yeah. Canadian. A yeah. hard-headed Canuck. So, that uh, that next day, I just was asking doctors, you know, how long until I can get back in a car and, and what's it going to take and what do I got to do? And so, yeah, the recovery was like two and a half months and then I got back in a car. Where does that come from? I mean, does it come from your parents or, or is it a combination of your parents or or is it just organically coming from you? I mean, you talked about it, but it has to come from somewhere. I mean, where, where does that come from? I mean, because like I said, and I was reading it and it hit me because if you've seen that crash, if you guys get a chance, go to YouTube. And, and it says, you know, Amber Balkin crash. And you're like, wow. I mean, you're tumbling. Those sprint cars, when sprint cars, so I don't think anybody crashes worse than sprint cars. I mean, it from the bottom of my heart, when they start going, man, it's, it's ugly. And you were hanging upside down. And like I said, you're thinking you're paralyzed. And it's like, oh, boy. And like I said, you're just getting engaged. And, you know, okay, you're going to be, you know, married, this and that. And all of a sudden, I, like you said, I can't move. I can't. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you know what? I was down for a little bit, but now I'm going to get it back. And I'm, I, when, when, when can we get this started? Because I got to get back in the car. Where does that resiliency come from? I think I just, I'm addicted to racing. Like, it's my drug of choice, I always say. Like, yes. I, it's, I'm so addicted to it. And it's like, it's a part of me. And I just cannot imagine my life without it. And I just, I don't, I didn't feel done. I didn't feel like this was done. And I... I just wanted to prove myself that I could do it. I didn't want to be done. I didn't want to feel like a failure. And I, and so I just was like, all right, let's, let's give it another go and just keep trying. And, and then that same year, that fall or that winter is when I got this big sponsorship to go back to NASCAR racing. So was there like a, I don't know, are, are you a religious person? Was there a little bit of like, okay, listen, I'm not religious, but if anybody's out there, if, if there is a God, listen, I really need to get to, I mean, did, did, it, did it come to that or you just left it to the universe? Because I like to ask that because, I, yeah, I just like to know. And it's not on, it's on a personal kind of tip, you know what I mean? I mean, so yeah. are you a religious person or you just, or did you just throw it out there like I, I'm, I'm believing that I can get through this? Yeah, I'm very spiritual. I do a lot of inner work. I'm really into self-development. Like I read a lot of um, self-development books. And What's your favorite? Just, what's your favorite? What's my favorite? Ooh, I would say it's hard to pick just one. 
Um, one of my most, like, I feel like useful books that I've read in the last year or so is Atomic Habits. Atom oh, my producer just said, yeah. I knew she was going to say, why'd you say that? Why, why'd you say that? I don't know. That's like the one book that like, I really like out of those self-development books. Cause it's, yeah, it's just really it, useful. Exactly. It's, like you can actually take what they're telling you and apply it. Atomic you Habits. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna get if you if you say it and why it says it and why it is the boy wonder. This guy's like 19. He's killing it. I mean, he's I look to him for my financial advice, you know. And I'm two years and I'm and I'm like 20 years older than him. I'm going, what should I do, Wyatt? And he laughs at me when I say I'm gonna invest in AMC movie theaters. He goes, no, don't do that. And and so <laughs> so so if, if 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 he co-signs on it, then it must be a good book. So you so that yeah. you use that and what else and what else? That, I mean, I I read books. I try to read 10 pages every single day um of any self-development book like once i'm done one go to the next one um i did this program called 75 hard and i started in january and it is made by the ceo of first form andy frisilla okay and it is a mental toughness program and essentially for 75 days you work out twice a day for minimum 45 minutes one workout has to be outside one has to be inside you they have to be a minimum three hours apart you have to drink a gallon of water read 10 pages of a self-development book a day, um, stick to a diet, no cheat meals, no alcohol. I know I'm missing stuff. <laughs> um, take a progress picture. Anyway, there's this list of things you have to do every single day for 75 days, no compromises. If you have, you know, one bite of an ice cream and that's not on your diet, then start at day one. If you forget to take your, if you for, drink half a gallon of water, so in gallon, you gotta start. So I did this program at the beginning of January and it was the first 75 days of the year. And it was like the best way for me to start my year. It just, if, if anyone is listening right now and they, and it's a completely free program, you can find it online. There's podcasts about it. Um, if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're struggling, if you feel like you don't have confidence or, or, or grit or self-worth, or you just need to kind of mentally toughen up and, and, if you feel like you're not living your full potential right now, then you need to do this program because that's what I did. And I just felt so much more confident after I knew I had to do something to really get my confidence up going into the race season. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was the perfect program. It's, it, it makes you feel unstoppable. It's, it's awesome. That and that's why I love having you on. I knew it was gonna be. I mean, I feel inspired now. I feel like if you were my coach, I'm like, I'm ready, coach. Tell me what to do. I mean, that's how I feel. And that's when I when I seriously when I read your thing, I I was like, yes. I mean, everything you were saying, I was so on board with it. Everything was so positive and everything. Like I said, because I know, I mean, I'm an outsider looking in. I'm the I'm I call myself Toby Tyler. I'm the kid that wanted to join the circus and he stayed at arm's length, but he really wants to be part of the circus. So, you know, I, I could have had a stock car when I was like 15, but I knew. I was kind of changing my likes and so I didn't and that it always kind of haunts me so that's why I do this because I love racing Never too late. yeah Never I mean I, I love start. racing well that's why I'm a Gemini also because you know, I, I can't really can't focus on one thing that's why I'm always like you know <laughs> I go from subject to subject and that's why I, I have ADD so I understand <laughs> <laughs> what are you by the way when, when were you born what, what month what month I'm a Pisces what, what month is that March 7th March okay well happy belated Thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was way back. That was way back. That was yeah. Way, okay. Okay. So tell us, because I was, uh, go, like I said, going through your Instagram, and you and your soon-to-be husband are so 
if there's a perfect couple out there, you guys are in the top. You guys are definitely top five couples of all time. I mean, there's another couple. There's a Canadian couple right now living in Canada. His name is Dylan Gray, and he and his wife, I know both of them, and they're perfect. They live in Canada, and they're perfect. And you guys might be uh, probably two or three. Tell me, he, he's a football player. He's also an athlete also. He plays for, don't, don't tell me, he plays, is it Saskatchewan? Yep. Saskatchewan Rougher. And, and, and I don't know his position, but I'm going to say, judging by his body, is he a wide receiver? Nope. Canadian, a uh, 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 cornerback. <laughs> is he a cornerback? Nope. Okay, what is he? Defensive end. A defensive end? He yeah. Looks, he looks light. He looks like he's like about two, maybe 220. He's 230 right now. Usually he plays at 240. He didn't look that big. He looks like some, but anyway, besides the fact, <laughs> how did you guys meet? And by the way, you guys are beautiful together because it's two athletes together and you guys look the part of two couples in love. You're both fit. You both have million dollar smiles. And if I was, if I had the money, I would sponsor you guys and you wouldn't have to do the things you're doing. I mean that from the bottom. <laughs> so how did you guys meet? How did you guys well, meet? Thank you. Um, we actually met in high school, but we're not high school sweethearts. Um, did, we. You didn't like him in high school? You didn't like him? No, I thought he was super hot, but <laughs> <laughs> um, he was, he was a little bit of a bad boy back then. Oh, girls like and the bad boys. Yeah, and uh, we were both in different relationships, so it just wasn't it wasn't our time back then. But it's cool because I mean that was like twelve years ago now, and as you know, from eighteen to twenty eight, you uh, change a lot as a person. So. <laughs> okay, so when did all of a sudden you were like, okay, I mean, but when did like it turn around to like, hey, uh, remember me from high school? Yeah, I remember you. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you want to go get a, you want to go curling and, and get a poutine? Yeah. I mean, when, 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 did, when did you guys meet? I mean, as far as uh, like romantically. Yeah. So we have a bunch of mutual friends. So I moved to North Carolina five years ago, but every time I'd go back to Winnipeg, we would bump into each other. We'd see each other. And um, he was kind of going through a rough time with football. He got cut. I didn't, I was going through a rough time with racing. I um, didn't have sponsorship. And so like we had seen each other a couple of times when I'd go back to Winnipeg and we just started talking as, as friends, you know, kind of really being there for each other. Cause there's not a lot of, if you're an athlete, it's sometimes hard to understand really what you're going through right. um, and like how much of an impact what we do has on our life and, and our mental health and yeah. everything like that. So um, we just started being there for each other as friends. And then, uh, he's kind of like, when you come to Winnipeg next? Oh, <laughs> and, uh, look out. <laughs> and then, yeah, um, I went there and we, uh, went to the lake together and we just kind of fell in love. <laughs> oh, I think you're leaving a lot out. I mean, next thing you know, when you come to Winnipeg and we're in lake, next thing you know, we're in love. What did you leave out? I mean, was there a drunken night? You're like, I just think you were so hot in high school, but you're going out with that one girl. And I mean, what are you leaving out there, Amber? Because there's a lot. I mean, I mean, I've always had a crush on him. Did he always have a crush but, uh, on you? Yeah, I guess I guess you could say there, there was a, a drunken night where we were both at, at the same place and we're like, you're cute, you're cute too. I knew it. I knew it had to be a drunken night because it was like, I hate the when the people skip those those points of relationship. Like, and one day he was like, just kind of Winnipeg. And next thing you know, we're in love and we're getting married. Wait a minute. There's a lot of time that passed by there. I mean, he could have been in jail. You could have got him out. It could have been like Hurricane Hurricane Carter, you know, with Denzel, you know, where he went to jail and then he marries a woman and got him out. I of mean, jail. our full story would take like five hours and I didn't want to take up that much time. So, no, you're, no, you're, trying, it. you're leaving stuff out because you're, you're probably afraid your parents are going to see like the uncensored version it's okay oh right? no my my parents know everything it's, it's more so 
I don't want my sponsors thinking too bad about me. <laughs> hey, you're a racer, man. Come on, back in the day. I mean, they, I mean, now racing is so, they clean it up and it's so corporate. But honestly, yeah. I miss the days of, and I don't know if you remember this, the Daytona 500 when it was Kale Yarbrough and the Allison brothers and they got in a fight on the infield after the race. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yeah. I mm -hmm. watched that live and that's what NASCAR used to be. Yeah, yeah. you, you ain't got to say it like that. Okay. I mean, they still fight now. It's just like. What? Say it. It's not a good fight. Oh, okay, okay. So, if you, if you ever got into a uh, dust up, as we like to say, if, if you ever got into like uh, heated words, like, hey, you cut me off on turn three. No, I didn't. I gave you room to come out. You, no, you did. Yes, you did. And, and you guys get into it? Have you ever gotten into yeah, it? Like that? Yeah, definitely. Because, especially like, I mean, being a woman, men will drive us a little tougher. Um, but like, if I give you respect, I expect respect kind of thing. And so like, there's been not many times, but there's been a couple times where I've had to go over to driver and have some choice words with them. Oh, but... tell me, tell me one, <laughs> tell me one. I want to hear Tell me. Um, it was a couple years ago and it was actually in California and we were starting on the front row and the guy behind me just turned me into the wall on the first lap and I was starting on the front row. So I was really upset and it sucked. And so I went over to him and was like, the first lap, like, what are you, what are you doing? And like, you turned into me and, and like me and him, like we were having a heated discussion, but like, it was a discussion. We weren't throwing or like, we weren't, yeah. we weren't even swearing at each other, cussing or anything. Like we were just having a discussion and his crew guy came over to me and started swearing and freaking out on me. And I'm like, Hey, this is between two drivers right now. Like you're, you shouldn't be involved. And that, that's the only time when it gets annoying. Like if two drivers can talk it out right. and talk about the situation and whatever, whether we agree or disagree, but if you can talk it out, mm. it, that's how it should be. But when the crew guys get involved and they're trying to be the tough guy, it's mm. like, no, this is between two drivers. We're the ones behind the wheel. Let us talk about it. So. Okay. But, but, oh, but if it gets to that point where it's like really, really, really heated. Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but no guy's going to hit a woman, right? I mean, seriously. I hope not. If well, not, my fiance would be taking the first flight down. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. But, okay. But who's got your back in the pits, though, if it got to that point? Who's got your back? Be my crew, 100%. Okay. My crew, for sure. But, like, unless there are, like, swings, then the crew shouldn't really be involved, you know, yeah. unless driver's getting them directly involved but it, it should just between be between the drivers <laughs> okay the, the, now when that group crew guy came in did, did one of your crew guys come up and go hey you need to uh, you need to get to stepping i mean did it get to that point did your no because they were far enough away i don't think they saw okay but i i told him to zip it <laughs> oh, oh my god i love that i love that have you ever gotten a fisticuffs ever maybe like a driver's <laughs> girlfriend maybe something no. something to you like you know little choice no. words Nothing? No, I'm I'm a pretty, like, I'm a very passionate person, but I'm a pretty calm person. Like, I, I think that's one of, like, my, I like to say mini superpowers. I'm really good at staying calm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, because I, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. That's something I've worked on the past year of, like, just taking, because I'm a very, I'm a Pisces. I know you're a Gemini, so I'm a Pisces. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Pisces are very emotional and very sensitive. Right. And so this last, like, year, I'm, like, try to think more logistically instead of emotionally. And when I, when I'm able to do that, I, I make better decisions and, and make better choices of my words and such. So, um, yeah, I've been doing, I've done well at that. And so that helps me stay calm when other times people might 
get emotional. Right. So yeah, that, that's something I've learned over the past year and it, it's been good. Have you done yoga though? Because yoga has calmed me down a little bit, believe it or not. No, I, I can't get into yoga. I need to. I, I can get, I've been getting to visualization where kind of like a, a meditation visual, visualization, but yoga just seems like so slow for me. Like I like getting in the gym and throwing around heavy weights and stuff like that. Yoga is a little more, I, I, sh- I do need to try it though. I do. Well, I tried it a long time ago. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> well, I know I was going to get to this later, but listen, when I, when I race go-karts and believe it or not, I do race go-karts still. When I race go-karts and I get in hairy situations, I think my yoga has helped me. I mean, cause I had, I've been going to the same go-kart track for the last 20 years and I thought uh, I wouldn't get in this certain time because I gained weight and I thought, well, my fat ass is not going to be able to get this. Bit. And so I had the greatest time ever in the last 20 years, about three weeks ago. And, and I've, feel like I'm fat, but I got the best time that I've ever, ever, ever had. And I think it's because my breathing and everything from yoga. And if I can do it, you can do it. So when you come, if you ever come to Indianapolis. Breathing is a major thing in our sport too. So that probably could help you. Like I I don't have a trainer out here, but when I'm back in North Carolina, I don't have a trainer and he will focus just on breathing as well. Well, are you ever going to come to Indianapolis to race ever? Um, I mean, I know you're doing the West Coast Arca series, right? Yeah, I think I think next year there's potential for that. Um, I will be in Indiana in September for a trade show, though, for my sponsor. So it's got to be in Indianapolis, right? It's got to be Indianapolis. I, I, I have I have to check my schedule. I can't remember exactly where it's, it is. There's nothing in this state besides Indianapolis. I mean, where I, is it? yeah, we are. We're like the star of Bethlehem. We really are. I mean, we're it when it comes to Indiana. We're it. There's no other town. It's got to be Indiana. It has to be Indianapolis. And if you are, it means you're right down the street. El- Elkhart, Indiana. Elkhart? Oh, my God. Man, you might as well. Well, I'm not even going to say it. September 27th to 30th. Oh, my God. Elkhart. Well, make sure you're packing. Are you le- Can you carry a firearm? <laughs> I know you're Canadian, but are you, are you licensed is it to carry? Not, is it not a nice area? Listen, like I said, are you licensed to carry a firearm? Maybe your boyfriend should come down with you. He's playing football. Okay, me and Wyatt, we'll go up there and we'll escort you around. I'll buy some pepper spray or something. (laughs) (laughs) Get some bear spray. Some bear spray. No, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. No, you think you'll be great. But I wish it was here. I would love that because I want to race you in go karts, and that's my thing is go karts. I love go kart racing, so I would love to. You probably beat me. I have zero road course experience. Really? Yeah, I only know how to turn left. Are you serious? I would think. Are you? I would think you try to be a jack of all trades because honestly. Growing up loving sprints, I would think, and just correct me if I'm wrong, you would want to be in World of Outlaw Sprints. To me, that yeah, was... Yeah, I, I did. I, ra- I raced uh, two World of Outlaw shows. Oh, who'd you race against? Who'd you race against? Was, uh, uh, who, who, who was in it? Who was in it? Like, all, all the big guys. Donnie Schatz. Oh. Um, was Kinzer still racing at that time? I feel like he was. Do you get starstruck? Do you? Not really. Um, I'm trying to think, like, because being in the NASCAR world, I've been able to meet a lot of them, right? Like, I mean, I, and I filmed a show with the Bushes, with, um, like, Austin Dillon's wife. So I've met a lot of the NASCAR drivers. So I don't think I get starstruck anymore. Um, yeah, like, you know, Tony Stewart, like, I know Tony and the people you're talking about before. Um, maybe like a little bit, a little nervous, but not, not overly starstruck. Okay. Just more like, I just get more impressed. Like, like I'm, I respect them. Who's the one that really left a mark on you that you met in person? You were like, 
wow. I mean, that made you go wow as a person, maybe, and for whatever reason, that may, it really had a profound effect on you. It's hard to just narrow one because there's, even when people ask me who's your favorite NASCAR driver, it's hard for me to say just one because there's different characteristics and aspects that I like about each of them. Mm -hmm. um, for Kyle Busch, for example, he knows everything that's going on within his shop and with his car, with his crew, with like, he's so smart. He's so good. He's so talented. He's so good about looking at things in different ways. Like even when I got to work with him one day and he coached me and he's just, he's, I just respect his, his knowledge and passion for the sport. And he's just such a talented race car driver. Um, but then with like Tony, for example, I really respect, you know, not only him with his talent and his, his uh, ability, but what he's done to now be a team owner and what he's done to give back to dirt track racing and give back to other drivers. Um, there's just, it's hard to choose just one and be impressed by one. I'm Kurt Busch. I was really impressed by him because he was one of the few people that sat down and I just asked him millions of questions and he answered every single one of them for me. And he was so willing to help, which um, I find not a lot of people in the sport are willing to actually help others um, when it comes to being in the industry. And why is that? So, why is that? Um, I think everyone's afraid that they're going to take each other's sponsors, take each other's team, take each other's rides. Um, it's a very cutthroat sport, very cutthroat industry. And the average career of a NASCAR driver is only four years, which wow. is really short. Yeah. So um, your opportunities are very few and far between in this sport. And I, and I think everyone knows that and they're just trying to protect it. Now, when it comes to women in racing, I, I, do you guys get along or is it the same? It's like, hey, even though she's a woman, this is a cutthroat industry. So good luck to her. But I mean, is it like that or do you guys team up? Because I've seen on your Instagram sometimes uh, Pippa Man, you know, she'll congratulate you on something. And and so how is that with the, with the ladies that are coming? Like I know there's uh, I think Natalie Decker and, you know, of course, you got Haley Deegan and a couple mm -hmm. other drivers. So, how, yeah, how is that with the women? I, it's I think it's the same as kind of in any sport, like you have those that you're, you know, maybe a little bit more friendly with, you, you know, a little more, and then you have those that you just don't really have a lot of contact with or don't talk to them that often. So you don't really know them as much. Um, just like, you know, if you're a football player, if you're on the D line, you're probably, you know, the D line guys better than the o offensive line guys. Like, it's just like, you know, I had a, a female teammate this year. So me and her became friends because we were teammates. Um, but then, you know, there's other like, some girls like each other. Some girls don't. It's, it's just like any. It's just like it's just like anywhere, you know. <laughs> you have a girl in your pit crew. Oh, she thinks she cute. Yeah, and then like, yeah, I I understand. I understand. Now, are you like about empowering women though? If you ever get a chance and you have enough power, and you would would you be like make it a point that I want a female in my crew somewhere in my crew, either to do this or that? Would you push for that if you got in a power yeah. position? Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about empowering females, even when it comes to like, when I think about hiring people to do like PR or marketing or anything that I need help with, I always go and search for women first. That's beautiful. And that's, and that's the way it should be. I mean, from yeah. the bottom of my heart. And that's one of the reasons, honestly, when I saw your Instagram that I wanted to join here, because I mean, I, I, I love racing across the board, but I just love it when there's that and I know that outside factor going in, you know what I mean? I, it's, it's like that, you know, when Lewis Hamilton and Formula One or James Stewart and, 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 and Supercross, I love that. You know, I love them all, but I just love it because I know that obstacle was just a little bit more, you know, yeah. to get into. So, and is any guy like men, 
I guess in the in the initial beginning, did they kind of talk down to you or didn't think you were all that or whatever, and you had to show them? I, I mean, was ever like, uh, did you have, to, you have to prove yourself more to somebody? Yeah, again, it's a mix. Like some some guys, some crew members, some drivers treat me completely normal, like they would anyone else. And then there are some who treat me a little bit different. But I think it all comes when once they it just takes a little bit longer for me to earn their respect. I think what it comes down to, but once they hear about or see how hard I've had to work to get where I am or my ability on the track, then the respect comes. Like sometimes it just takes a little bit for them to get to know me to realize, Oh, this girl's legit. She's worked her butt off to be here. She deserves to be here. You know, she's a professional and I'm going to treat her like a professional because she acts like one. So um, I think a lot of time it just, it takes me a little longer to be able to prove to the guys like, no, I'm, I'm in this, I'm for the real thing. I'm not just here to say that I race cars, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, I think it takes a little bit more time. What's the overall goal for you? The overall goal, say five years down the line, where do you want to be? I mean, I'd love to be in the NASCAR cup series that that's the ultimate goal. Um, uh, but truthfully, if I can get to Xfinity, um, I would, I would be happy at if, if I'm at a point as long as I'm at a point where I'm racing cars and I'm able to pay my bills and I'm able to influence others in a positive way, that then I, I would consider myself successful because that's that's what I want to achieve. So I'm, I'm so close to getting there. And next year, my goal is to race in the Arca series. And that's that's been my goal for a really long time. Like that was kind of my ultimate goal. I'm like, okay, if I can make it here, but I know I'll say, oh, once I make it to the Arca series, I'll be satisfied, but I know I won't be, then I'm gonna wanna go to Xfinity. And like every time I make a goal for myself, I put another one on top of it. But if I can race the full Arca Menard series next year and like the national series, I'll, I'll be extremely happy. That's been my main, main goal. Um, so if I can achieve that, that'd be amazing. And then, then look towards, you know, maybe Xfinity the next season. Have you exceeded your expectations on life so far? Yes and no. Um, yes. In the way that when I was, you know, a teenager, I'm like, if I could just race in the world of outlaws, like my life would be set. Right. Um, and then, so in a way I've exceeded that. Um, but now being older, I feel like I've accomplished five percent of what I actually want to accomplish if not less like I feel like I have I'm here and I have like this much to go kind of thing so um I'm definitely not where I want to be but I feel that I'm finally making progress to to getting there how do you not be deterred uh goal wise because I've been there being 28 and you have goals and all of a sudden you, you know, something happens here and you get this way and all of a sudden you get lost in whatever. And all of a sudden, oh, my goal was this. And then you got, so how do you stay on the straight and narrow? Because it sounds simple when you're chasing the goal, but sometimes things happen and you kind of go, like you said, growing up, you thought, hey, if I can do World of Outlaws. And all of a sudden now you're in NASCAR and it's totally different, but you're still achieving goals. And so how do you keep on the straight and narrow? How do you do it? How does Amber do it? I think there needs to be a little level of flexibility. Like when I got in that bad crash last year, I, w- I went back to dirt track racing because I didn't have the sponsorship to race NASCAR. So I wanted to race something that I could race more often that was less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got the sponsorship to go back to NASCAR. So that that was great. So I think you do need to be a little bit flexible, but at the same time, you have to know where the end goal is and and know where you're going. And I've I've always had like, a very straight vision of what I want and what I want to achieve. And I just keep 
on that track basically um but like I said before like it's been hard I've had a lot of obstacles but I just still kept that main main vision and I think you you have to constantly be creative you have to constantly be reassessing yourself what like your work yourself as a person um your relationships your your goals everything you have to constantly be reassessing to figure out how you can make your weaknesses stronger and and then make your strengths even stronger than that what's your weakness my weakness is impatience (laughs) (laughs) in what way in what way in what way um i just want everything to happen faster (laughs) you know like i want everything now (laughs) so that's tough but i i've gotten a lot better with that a lot better um you know and i think consistency is a huge thing too being super consistent with you know you make a plan you got to stick to that plan and be consistent with that plan um i think i could be better about consistency you know and um i mean my weaknesses is always the lack of funding but that's 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 what i got to do for my work to you know it's it's not I don't, it's a weak, it's not a weak, it is a weakness, but it's, it's something I have a little bit of control of, but not a lot of control of. So I just got to keep working hard. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I know you were on a CMT series in 2016. I think it was called, was it NASCAR Wives or something like that? Okay. Now I saw you. 18, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. You had that. And then you also, uh, there was something else you did with uh, Brian Johnson from ACDC. And so even though you're doing that and you look great as a spokesman, honestly, you're a great person out front, great spokesman. You have it all. I mean, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, you have the looks, the talent and that 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 wholesomeness that's authentic. But something tells me when I was looking at those pictures, I go, she, all she wants to do is race. I mean, I could see it. Crane from wrong. Crane from, please. I just was looking at you and you were done up and you look beautiful. But I was thinking. She just wants to race cars. She don't want yeah. to do this dog and pony show. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, am I right though? Am I right? Yeah, hundred percent. The thing is, though, the great thing about racing is it has opened so many other doors to other avenues, which have been really fun and exciting. And I'm really thankful that I've got to experience things like filming a TV show and um, filming a show with Brian Johnson. And the thing is, at this time, what a lot of people don't realize is as I've been chasing this dream, remember, I'm in the U.S. on a on a visa that only allows me to make money through racing. Well, when I don't have the sponsorship to race full time, I'm not racing full time, so I'm not making any money. So the last five years have been financially a struggle as well. So for a TV show to come to me and say, hey, we want to have we want you on this TV show, we're going to pay you. And it's going to give you exposure to potentially get other sponsors. I don't think anyone would say no to that. Right. Right. You have, you almost have to do it. I had to, I really did. Um, And, you know, I was hoping it was going to help me more sponsorship. It didn't really, um, (laughs) but I was able to finally pay my bills, you know, through that and um, get the exposure. And so sometimes you are going to have to do other things that might not be exactly what you're looking for, but, um, it's, it's going to help you get there or help, you know, at least <laughs> pay your bills. So, um, yeah, like, and, and that's the thing is I don't want people thinking that I'm in racing just to, for the TV side of it or any of that. Um, I want to be a race car driver. You know, yeah. I don't want to just say I'm a race car driver. I, that, that's who I am. Right. And right. that was just things that kind of, those are opportunities that came with this. And thankfully opportunities that I needed at that time to help 
help me stay on track because of all the obstacles that I had to overcome. And, and that's the thing too, is there would be nothing. And then there, I'd get an opportunity and it would kind of keep me, keep me hanging on this. I'd get a sponsor and then it would fall through. And, and so people are like, why haven't you for a long time? Like, they're like, why are you still at this? Why haven't you given up yet? It's it's because I kept getting glimmers of hope that, that, that kept me there, you know? And being now that you you're in Southern California, mm-hmm. where exactly in California are you? Where exactly? Kind of like Temecula area. Oh, I know where that is. Okay, okay. So, but if you're in, and honestly, you're in Southern California, Hollywood's right down the street, and the way things are going now, you would be perfect to host shows or whatever. I mean, I just think the world is the world is your oyster, right? And, and it really is. You've got the talent. I mean, you qualify on pole positions. You're not just somebody who talks about it in a pretty face. You actually have the talent. I just wish nothing but the best for you because, and if not. I'm gonna tell you something. You have a career as a as a positive a motivational speaker, and you really do. I mean, you had you have it all. And for, coming from your background, such humble beginnings, you can't help but love somebody that comes from Canada. I mean, come on, you can't hate a Canadian. I mean, come on, you guys come from uh, the, the the Great White North. You come down here to race, and now look, you are killing it now. And I mean it from the bottom. No, you're killing it. No, thank you for just for and you're you're a fan person. You're just everything. So I mean, I wish nothing but the best for you. Now, but here's a question for you. Now I know that when you're gonna get married, when are you gonna get married exactly? What's the date? January. January. Okay. So now that it's gonna be two people in your team, although sometimes you know when it comes to marriage, like how do you make that work along with his goals and your goals? And have you talked about that? Because that's a big thing. You got two, two athletes together and there's gotta be some stubbornness and there's gotta be some selfishness <laughs> to be, a, to be an elite athlete. Some, it's got a lot of give and take and you know, a lot of selfish. So how's, how's that going to work? You know, I think that us both being athletes really helps with this because to be a great athlete, you do have to have a level of selfishness. And because you need to be focused on your goals and you need to be focused on your performance and, and how to how to get better. And thankfully, that's something we both understand. So when I say I need to move to California for three months to focus on racing and he has to move to Canada to to play his season, we both understand that. And we, we both know that if we don't go for what we want now, then, you know, we don't want to live with regrets. We don't want to live with resentment of each other or like we, we can be there for each other while we're doing this. So we just, we make it work. And we always say that, like, no matter what is thrown at us, we're like, we make this work. We make everything work. We, we'll just make it work. So, um, yeah, I'm really lucky and thankful to have such a supportive partner. And I support him a thousand percent on whatever he wants to do as well. I think that's beautiful. Honestly, what I really want to do is my goal is I want to be in five years. I want this show to be like one of the top podcasts in the in the world. And I want to be able to interview you going, I got the winner of the Daytona 500, Amber. And I really do. I want to be like, I got the winner of the Daytona 500, the first Canadian woman to win the day. That's what I want to do. And I wanted to sit down, have it in studio. And we talked about these days here when I was nobody and you were <laughs> and you were close to achieving your goal. And and people think, oh, you guys know each other forever. Yeah, me and Amber, we tight. And, that, yeah. that, and, that's, and that's what I want to happen, honestly, because I want nothing but the best for you. And, and you're just a good person. You're a great person. Anybody that can put up with me DMing them, and I guess I could tell. My friend, and she was getting annoyed, like, hey, I have to make sure we're on for tomorrow. Yes! I was like, okay. I felt that. <laughs> So I just want to thank you for that. And no, that's how I, that's how I am too. Like, I always say, like, I, I know I'm annoying as well, but I like, I don't really care because that's just who I am. 
<laughs> I honestly say the same thing. Like even with my fiance, I'll text him like 20 times. I don't care. Like, <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for that. And real quick, like real, real quick, one word answer before we get out of here. Real quick, one word answer. Okay. Which would you rather win? The Knoxville Nationals or the Daytona 500? Daytona 500. Oh, you're selling out from your dirt track dream. Look at no. you. One minute, she, all she wants to do is wear a dirt track. Next thing you know, she's all fancy. Daytona 500, <laughs> BT. I mean, I've, I've given up the dirt life. I'm, 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 I'm big time now. I don't need dirt. Dirt. I haven't no, made I, for that. I love the dirt life. I love the dirt life. I just, um, it's a new chapter in my life, right? So this is the chapter that, that's part of it. Winning Daytona is part of that chapter. If if the opportunity arises, if the opportunity arises, uh, IndyCar. Whew. IndyCar is another animal. Like IndyCar is almost up there with F one. It, it was like, a, it was a yes or no Amber. It was a yes or no Amber. I mean, <laughs> I, I, we're not talking about dissertation here. We're not at university. It was a yes or no answer. IndyCar. Yeah. They it, 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 Chip Ganassi said, "Listen, we need a we need a racer who's a racer, but also easy on the eyes. They're good. They're good with people. They're good with the fans. Who do we get?" And they go, there's no one here in America. Oh, I know a Canadian. Amber, IndyCar opportunity. Would you take it, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See how easy that was, Amber? See how easy that was? Okay, here we go. And this is a long shot because I know you got to be in the system. But if you had an opportunity, if F1 came calling, if F1 came calling, would you take it? I honestly don't know if I have the balls. Wow, really? Yeah. And why is that? Why do you, is that? Do you know how good they are? Yes. Like, yeah, but do you know how good you are? Well, thank you. But like, they are the most elite of the elites when it comes to motorsports. I know, but I'm elite of the elite, and I know elite when <laughs> I see elite because I'm talking to elite, and so it, we're we're two elitists talking about being elite. So I'm gonna ask you one more time, member. If F1 came a calling and you're elite, and I know you're elite because I'm elite, so would you take it? Yeah, I would definitely try it. <laughs> I would have to at least try. I'd have to at least try. I mean, you don't know if you don't try, right? Yes, and I, yes, that is so true. That is so true. And okay, and the big one, the big one, which is better, Canadian bacon or American bacon? Canadian. Oh, look at you. Look, okay, okay. Pineapple on pizza for you, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you never got these questions before from anybody. Have no, you? it's all good. <laughs> Amber, I mean, it's from the bottom of my heart. You have been just, I, I, like I said, I look for people who are inspiring. And you inspired me through, like I said, it was nothing but your Instagram and your website and all the interviews. And it was just nothing but positivity and getting a sponsorship. And I see how hard you work from afar. And like I said, I've, I've been around racing and I know how hard sponsorship is because the old joke is, how do you make a small fortune in racing? You start off with a big fortune. And that's the joke in racing. Exactly. You know? yeah. So I know. And I didn't start with a big fortune. So <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard it is. I know how hard it is, and I'm I'm with you 100%. I mean, I'm a fan for life right now. I mean, that from the bottom of my heart. If you ever get down to Indianapolis, please hit me up. We're going to go go-kart racing, and I have no qualms of putting you into the wall because I, that's what I do. I'm a wannabe, and that's what wannabes do. We have to be a bully, so I have no problem doing that. But honestly, I wish nothing but the best for you. Amber Balking, first Canadian woman to win a NASCAR-sanctioned race. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you want to say or anything you want to plug right now before we get out of here? 
yeah, if you guys want to follow me on social media, it's at AmberBalkin10. I have um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, got it all on there. And I always reply to DMs, as you know. So <laughs> <laughs> keep it respectful, people. Keep it respectful. Yeah, that's what I did. Respectful. I kept it respectful. Um, yeah. And if you guys ever need anything, feel free to reach out. Amber, thank you so much. I wish nothing but the best for you, but I think you're going to be okay. I think you're going to well, be thank okay. Thank you. And I would actually like to plug my sponsor as well, uh, Icon Direct. If you need any RV parts, go to icondirect.com. Any type of parts you need for your RV. Camp, it's camping season, it's summer. So check out icondirect.com. You heard her, icondirect.com. Amber Balkin, thank you so much. Good luck in your ride. And you have a race this week, right? A race this week? Next weekend. Next weekend? August 21st. Is that next weekend? Yeah. Okay, and where's it going to be? Irwindale? Irwindale Speedway and is the Arco West race. I am going to keep up with you, and I'm going to give you a DM like, you better win this race, girl. <laughs> I don't interview losers. and that's It's only my second Arco West race, so we're just hoping for a solid finish. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that shit. I want to hear you're going to win. That's what I want to hear. You're going to get that pole position. You're going to get a front row, and then you're going to do what you Canadians do. You hear me? That's what you're going to do, girl. I'm going to do my darn best, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. I appreciate you. Thanks for watching Tales from a Gemini. I appreciate you guys. And you heard Amber. Hit her up on her website and hit her up on uh, what her sponsorship need, RV parts. Go to IconDirect.com. IconDirect.com. And like I said about this sign, thank you for watching and peace.